Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Today on Retire There, we meet Dave Hughes and Jeff McKeon, who moved to the Phoenix suburb of Chandler, Arizona. Chandler is a fast-growing community of over 122,000 people southeast of Phoenix and Tempe. It is the home of some of the largest and fanciest active 55-plus communities. Many moved to Chandler for the dry climate and the beautiful desert mountains nearby. It's an incredible place for outdoor activities. It boasts 67 parks, over 4,000 bike trails, and great campgrounds and RV parks. The city also contains six aquatic parks, a huge bike park, a skate park, several well-maintained dog parks, and a mini golf course. You like that mini golf, don't you? Oh yeah, I love mini golf. Here in New York City, we're proud of the giant Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center that lights up each year. But Gil, we have nothing on Chandler. For over 60 years, the city has been holding a lighting ceremony for a large Christmas tree made out of, get this, tumbleweed. What? Yes, tumbleweed. <laughs> I guess it's easier to hang ornaments on tumbleweed <laughs> than on pine. I guess so. I should try <laughs> okay. that. All right. So a little background about our guest. Dave Hughes was born and raised in Springfield, Ohio. He attended the Ohio State University. And before retiring at the age of 56, Dave was a software engineer for 34 years, working for companies such as Intel, McDonnell Douglas Space Systems, and NCR Corporation. 
Throughout his career, his assignments included software development, customer support, training, course development, and management. He says he is happily retired, but he seems to be working as hard as ever. I can attest to that. I think you do more work in retirement because you enjoy what you're doing. So it's not like work. Yeah. Although now he is pursuing what he loves, writing. Get this, Gene. Dave has written a book on places to retire. Whoa. Why didn't we think of that? We did, but I don't like to write or read for that matter, (laughs) which is why I went to law school. (laughs) Okay. That is why we're doing a podcast, Gene. Dave's book is titled The Quest for Retirement Utopia, How to Find the Retirement Spot That's Right for You. And he's written two other retirement lifestyle planning books, Design Your Dream Retirement, How to Envision, Plan for, and Enjoy the Best Retirement Possible, and Smooth Sailing into Retirement, How to Navigate the Transition from Work to Leisure. And that is quite a transition. I can attest to that. It's not easy. On top of that, Dave created the website retirefabulously.com. And yes, I said fabulously. Dave says the website enables readers to envision, plan for, and enjoy the best retirement possible. Yeah, Gil, why can't we retire fabulously? That's what I want to do. (laughs) Well, Gene, it would help if you um, retired now instead of two years from now, but (laughs) we'll talk about that later. I'm still covering Dave's writing accomplishments. In addition to writing hundreds of articles for Retire Fabulously, Dave's work has appeared on U.S. News and World Report, Medium, Yahoo Finance, CNN Money, Next Avenue, and others. Last but not least, Dave has published two novels with more on the way. Dave can be found at his website, which is authordavehughes.com. Aside from his writing, Dave is also a jazz musician. He plays trombone and steel pan in various bands in the Phoenix area. He owns an embarrassingly large collection of jazz, Brazilian, exotica, steel band, jazz rock, and vocal ensemble CDs and videos. Whoa. Jeff McKean was born in San Diego, California and his dad was in the military. The family moved around a bit, including a stint in Hawaii. As an adult, he lived primarily in three states, Kentucky, Connecticut, and Arizona. He has a bachelor's degree in music theory from Eastern Kentucky University. For the first half of his life, Jeff was a studio musician, nightclub DJ, and dance music remix engineer for the DJ subscriber service Hot Tracks. For the latter half, he worked in financial services, retail management, training, and IT. He is no longer in the rat race and now belongs to two flute choirs at two different community colleges and provides private flute lessons. Maybe you could learn the flute again, Gil. I know. It's been many years. Very hard. <laughs> he does work in audio video production for flute choirs as well as non-musical clients. Additionally, he composes and arranges musical work for flute choirs and small wind ensembles. Jeff's interests include music, of course, but as he also describes, he's a gadget head and loves tinkering with computers, electronics, etc. He also grows vegetables and herbs and loves animals, particularly dogs. Their dog, Maynard, is one of the great joys of his life. What kind of dog is that? He is a schnauzer or something. Uh, actually, he's <laughs> mostly schnauzer with a little bit of chihuahua and shizu oh, and oh my uh, great Pyrenees. Oh, oh yeah, wow. But, he, but, he's a, but he's a little guy. He's like, you know, 22 pounds. Oh, my God. We're not sure how that happened, but yeah. <laughs> Sounds cute. Sounds cute. So hi, Dave and Jeff, and welcome to Retire There. Please share with our audience what brought you to Chandler and how did you arrive at making the city your retirement location? Okay. Well, first of all, we arrived here separately, uh, both with previous partners. 
I, I arrived in 1995, so I was still right in the middle of my career. I previously lived in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., while I loved that area, I got sick and tired of the snow. I wanted someplace where there was warmth and sunshine and no snow. And we came out here to Phoenix on vacation once, and I totally fell in love with it. I also realized that you could live here for half the cost of what it was costing to live in the Washington, D.C. area. So in 95, we quit our jobs, put everything in a U-Haul or got rid of it, drove out to Phoenix. No jobs, no friends, no nothing, just because we wanted to live here. And it has, it, with the exception of the fact that the relationship ended, other than that, uh, <laughs> it has worked out really well. It worked out really well career-wise, and I just absolutely love living here. So at the time I got here, I wasn't really thinking about it as a retirement destination. But now that we are retired, we're really happy here, you know, a as a place to live when you're retired. Jeff? Well, I came here in 2001 with my partner who has since passed away. We lived in Connecticut, another high price, expensive uh, area to live. Like Dave, we, you know, we were tired of the snow and the cold and and what have you. So that was the uh, impetus. Just pack everything up and come out here to Arizona. A few years later, Dave and I met and we were both single at that time. So yeah, and I agree, uh, as we've now reached retirement age, Arizona has a lot and Chandler in particular have a lot of the you know amenities uh, and resources uh, that we need and that we want. The two of you arrived in Arizona different point in time, but both in Chandler? Not quite. Actually, at, at that time, I was living in, it's an, it's a fairly large segment of Phoenix called Ahwatukee, uh, which is the, sort of the southernmost end of Phoenix. And he was living in Scottsdale. Okay. Uh, this ended up being, uh, now my employer, Intel Corporation, was here in Chandler. Mm -hmm. And Ahwatukee is like right next to it. And I've lived, I started off in Tempe, lived in Gilbert for a little while. And then the house we bought when we bought a house together was in Chandler. So we've been in several different Phoenix suburbs, but ended up in Chandler. And they're all similar. Okay. Yeah. Because my next question would have been, why not Phoenix and why not Tempe or why not other popular locations? Well, two reasons. First of all, when we bought the house, I was still working and I worked at Intel. So this is not too far away from Intel. It's also not too far away from where Jeff was working at the uh -huh. time. Okay. So there was that convenience. But the other more practical factor is that as with many major metro areas, the farther away you get from downtown, the more reasonable the real estate prices get. Mm, yes. And you could take this house and put it somewhere closer to, to midtown Phoenix and add probably $50,000 to the cost of the house. We, we like it out here. I mean, we can get into Phoenix in 20 minutes. But we have larger yards, many more conveniences nearby. It's newer. There's any number of reasons why we just sort of like the vibe of Chandler better. But we're close enough to Phoenix. We can go into it whenever we want. Jeff, do you want to add anything? No, not really. I mean, it, it's when Dave and I first entered into our relationship, uh, at one point, I moved in with him in his existing home in Ahwatukee. And if we had wanted to get this house that we're in right now, 
in Ahwatukee, it would have been easily fifty dollars to $100,000 more. The real estate market in 2004, 2005 was near its peak. It was the bubble and it was getting ready yeah. to burst. Mm -hmm. But we bought this house, frankly, at, uh, right at the top of the bubble. And then when the recession in 2009 came, of course, we watched everyone's house values go down. It was an affordable option, and we are close to malls. Uh, we are five minutes away from a large hospital, mm -hmm. uh, medical care, all kinds of uh, amenities, and we're very close to the freeway as well. Okay. So it really had a lot of advantages for us. I hear that getting to Phoenix isn't so bad because they have so many highways in the area. Is that right? Is, it, is there not, not big traffic problems like there is in other major cities? You know, I, I think that, I mean, during rush hour, yes, there will still be places where the traffic clogs. I think rush hour traffic here is better than in almost every city. And you are correct. There are a lot of freeways. One thing about the Phoenix metro area that you often hear from people who have come here from L.A. is our freeways are fantastic. Of course, look what you're comparing them to. <laughs> no offense to people who live in L.A., but <laughs> our freeways are really good. Typically, they're, they're more regularly maintained. And because we don't get lots of rainfall, we don't have the problem of potholes that you typically would have. I remember in Connecticut, it, you'd have to yeah. get your suspension tuned up <laughs> or, or replaced almost yeah. every two years. All the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's not an issue here. Okay. So let's talk about housing for a moment. And we know you purchased a while back, but what are the costs of housing these days? Can you give us a sense or... Say for a three bedroom, two bath in your area, something like that. Or an average. In Chandler? In Chandler, yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably th three bedrooms, three bedrooms, one or two baths is probably going to be around five hundred to six hundred thousand mm -hmm. at this time. But remember, we are in another peak. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, even our house, is, which is larger, um, mm -hmm. has appreciated quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's not the least expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. But taxes are still, I think, very reasonable, especially when I think back to what I was paying mm -hmm. for an 1,100 square foot condominium in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. it, just crazy, just absolutely crazy what uh, taxes are mm -hmm. in some parts of the Northeast. So taxes are still a bargain here. Okay. And give us a figure for that. So oh, right now we're, we pay what? Like it's about $2,200 a year. Wow. wow. In taxes for That's a. Great almost 2,500 square foot home with four bedrooms and two baths. Nice. Yeah. And we have a, a 10,000 square foot lot wow. and a pool. Yeah. So it, it's a three car garage. So you know, we have plenty oh of space. <laughs> yeah. Three yeah, car now, garage. And, and to, and to give pool. you an idea, that house that's about almost 2,500 square feet, four bedroom, two bath, three car garage, good size yard. In, in the current real estate run-up, it has now uh, surpassed 700000 oh, uh, which shocks even us. Yeah. Uh, wow. So anyway, I guess to put things in perspective, you know, Chandler has gotten more expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still less expensive than Phoenix and Scottsdale and a couple other suburbs closer in. Mm -hmm. And it all depends on where you move from. I mean, if you're moving from New York or L.A., yeah. this sounds cheap. Yeah. If you're moving from Ohio or Iowa, this is like, oh my God, that much for a house, <laughs> you know. Right. But you know, the quality of life is so good here. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. Well, first, I want to ask you: Do you miss the cold weather at all? Come on. I mean, it's like so no. hot. No. It's so hot. No. <laughs> 
Snow is for snow globes. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, I never heard that. That's, That's really you know, good. Yes. Right, you know, hurt. if we want to experience cooler weather and snow, we can drive an hour or so to the north. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Flagstaff. We, we can go to, pay, yeah. uh, to Prescott or Sedona or Flagstaff right. yeah. and get all the winter we want and then drive back to Phoenix and it's lovely again. <laughs> Yeah. Is it humid? Not really. No. Oh, they're going to give the dry heat. Right. Yes. Line, oh. And I don't buy it. <laughs> it well, and, and again, it's relative. Yeah, I mean, there are course, times when the humidity is only 10 or 15 percent. Right. It mm-hmm. may get up to 35 or 40. Right. But it has been recently because we've had rain. It's been up to 65 percent. It's like Florida. Mm. Wow. But, you know, yeah. it, it's not anywhere near like Florida. <laughs> 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 Sorry, right, look, we look, have to agree to disagree. I'm right. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> recently, it's been very humid, but no, typically it's more like 10 to 15% humidity. Okay. Yeah, or even 25. Yeah. Okay. But, but does the dry heat make a difference? Yes. Oh, you don't course. really perspire much. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Go on. I, I was going to say, I kind of liken it to the difference between a steam room and a sauna. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. okay. And, and maybe that, you know, not as hot as a sauna, but, but, you know, that, that's yeah, the difference yeah. between what yeah. kind of heat it is. Yeah. Now, why do Arizonians call air conditioners swamp boxes? Because those aren't air conditioners. They're different. It's a different device. What do you mean? What's a swamp it's box? It's an evaporative cooler that sits on the roof of the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Now, an, an interesting thing is houses that were built here in the 80s and into the early 90s tended to have these swamp coolers or or swamp boxes or evaporative coolers. They operate on the principle that's kind of like a car radiator. There's material that will get you know soaked in water, and then they blow air through that material, and that will cause the uh, temperature in the house to drop about 10%. Hmm. Essentially, they're using water to cool the air that blows into the house. Right. Now, that's that's adequate for temperatures in the 80s and 90s. And it also adds a little bit of humidity into the house, which is a good thing when you're indoors, but they fail to work very well when the temperature gets over 100. And they they have sort of fallen out of favor as of about the mid-90s. Most houses built since then just have air conditioners. There's also a mold issue when you deal with evaporative cooler and the maintenance on on one to keep that black mold yeah uh, you know forming and getting into your house yeah. is a huge deal um and we're both allergic to it actually mm-hmm. so that there's no way if we had a swamp cooler if it had been on the house when we bought it we probably would have had it removed yeah yeah i'll bet okay. oh see gene the things that you'll have to learn if we move out there, which ain't happening. We're well, going to. Why can't uh, you learn them? We're going through a heat wave right now. And what's today? August 6th. And um, it is driving me insane. But <laughs> I'm living in air conditioning, so I can't complain. OK. We, you know, that's another thing about living out here. You know, especially during the summer, people don't spend that much time outdoors unless they're in their pools. So you're going from an air-conditioned house to an air-conditioned car. Then you get out in whatever air-conditioned building you're going to and, and all that. So you spend most of your time in air conditioning. People <laughs> do most of the outdoor activities here in the cooler eight months of the year and stay indoors except to get in their pools during the summer. Mm-hmm. What's the coolest that it gets? In, yeah, in the summer? No, year-round. Oh, year-round. Oh, we might have one or two days of freezing weather. 
like a, that's that's about it. In in now, remember, we are in a valley. Okay, okay. not all of Arizona is like this, mm-hmm. but where we are, you know, it's in a valley and it's kind of isolated. You know, the the walls of the mountains come up and and basically, you know, create its own yes. climate. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, we'll have a killing frost occasionally. It might last a day or two. It's enough to do some damage to your outdoor plants. But typically, no, I mean, and snow is something that it's so rare to see snow in this right. part of Arizona. It would be an oddity, yeah. Yeah, and people just stop, I mean, you know, and, and gawk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, we, we may have three or four days when it drops below freezing at night. Yeah. Oh. And even on those days during the day, it gets up, up to upper 40s or 50. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. During the day. Oh. Right. So you do need like a like a jacket of sorts. Oh, yeah. A light jacket. Yeah, a light jacket, windbreaker. Yeah. How many months can you use your pool? So uh, our pool is not heated except Mm -hmm. by the sun, and we can use it about five months a year. Nice. Also, we're wimps. We don't get in unless the pool water's like 84 degrees. Oh, my goodness. If we were willing to get in when it was 80, um, we could probably add a month on either end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, generally five months. You talk a little about healthcare, but can you talk a little more about that? Is it hard okay. to find doctors in the area? Are there a lot of good hospitals in the area? In our area, yes, there are. We are five minutes from Chandler Regional Hospital, which in the past three years has become a class one trauma center and a, a new smaller hospital um, in a different system has opened up also five minutes from where we are. It's a small hospital, about 200 beds. And it's more general care. But within, let's say, a 25-mile radius of this house, there's at least eight hospitals of different sizes and different capabilities and capacities. Like everywhere else in the United States, there is a healthcare shortage. But I would say, at least where we are, we are not seeing the consequences of that directly. I would say the healthcare is great. We've had some of the same doctors for years. It's close. I mean, if there was an emergency, if we, you know, we we would be in an emergency room in minutes. Wow. Even mm-hmm. even if the hospitals immediately in our neighborhood were closed, we could still get to a hospital within minutes. So the quality of healthcare, I think, is good. And of course, you know, your insurance sometimes dictates, <laughs> you know, what's covered and what's not. It, <laughs> that, that's a universal struggle. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think the quality is very good. I mean, if everything we've experienced. The other thing to keep in mind is, first of all, as you mentioned in the introduction, there are retirement communities in the general area. Sun Lakes is about six or eight miles south of us, a very large retirement community. And there are others in the area. There's a healthcare market like everything else. So there's the need you know, plenty of you know older people and everything. And so the supply goes to meet the demand. Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, doctors and other medical professionals want to live where it's nice too. They enjoy <laughs> playing golf. They want to live with where there's nice. Yeah. So yeah. we get a lot of good doctors who come here simply because they want to live here too. Good point. And do you have a lot of snowbirds in the area? Yes. Yeah. Do they drive you crazy? Not really, to no. be honest. Except maybe on the highways. And even <laughs> that it's not... Uh, an everyday you know occurrence do you need a car or can you walk to places you absolutely need a car yes mm. now that's gradually changing in downtown chandler 
Um, and certainly in downtown Phoenix and, and a couple of the other suburbs, there's a lot of in-town housing being built, apartments, condos, and everything right in the city center. And along with that, more restaurants and stores and everything. Truthfully, they're attracting more Gen Z millennial types, wow. but they're still creating that environment that would be really good for seniors as well, mm-hmm. where you could live in a place and not have a car and have everything you need close by. But for the most part, yeah, you need a car. Yeah. Okay. So there isn't anything like, oh, let me just go a few blocks to get a cup of coffee and hang out. Where we are, no. I mean, that all depends on exactly which house you buy, but we're sort of in the middle of a donut hole. Within one mile of our house, there's nothing. There's no retail of any sort. But within five miles, there's everything, everything we could possibly want. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. That's good. It's just how we chose our house, I guess. Yeah. No, no. That's a smart idea, actually. It gets the fray away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. You're funny, yeah. What about, are there rentals in your air in Chandler? Is that oh, a... Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, and this is interesting. One of the local newspapers recently reported that somebody did a survey on the percentage of luxury rentals as opposed to the in relation to the overall number of rentals mm-hmm. and they defined luxury as having a number of amenities like you know pools uh, on-site gyms a number of other things like that and even within the apartment things like upgraded countertops nicer appliances mm. you know things like that Gilbert which is the community right next to us, was number one with 100% of their rentals qualifying as luxury rentals. Chandler was number two with just under 100%. And rentals are going up, more building, more and more building of apartments. Uh, And even these uh, modular, they're individual units, but they're all within like one confined gated space. Oh. So... Yeah, and that's like right down the street from us. There's there's one, mm-hmm. and 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 the subdivision, if you will, is divided in half by one of the main roads. Oh. Um, so you've got units on both sides of the of the street and pools on both sides of the street, but they are individual apartments, and this is kind of a oh. new concept. There's definitely you know no problem with thin walls because. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> they're separate, but at the same time, it is a rental situation. Yeah. Are they like yeah. tiny homes or something? Uh, casitas is ah. the, yeah, ah. the official yeah. kind of word. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just phrase. think of like yeah. a three or four bedroom apartment, but instead of being right up next to the next person, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. A, there are exterior walls and a little walkway. Well, that's yeah. great. Okay. But anyway, yeah, so there's, there's very high quality rentals in the area. Yeah. yeah. What's the general cost of living, say, for electricity, gas? Internet, things that your your monthly charges for yeah. our audience. Um, utilities are actually really cheap here. This is also a great place for solar panels, obviously. We have them. There are months when our electric bill is under $20. Wow. wow. In the wow. middle of summer, it's over 100 Right. But even without that, utilities here are really pretty inexpensive. The other thing is groceries are very inexpensive compared to many other parts, parts of the country. Part of it is because we're near Mexico, so many of our vegetables... The vegetables everybody in the United States eats Mm -hmm. are grown in in Mexico, Mm -hmm. so we're closer to them. The one thing that is more expensive here is auto insurance. 
for whatever reasons. But overall, cost of living is very reasonable here. We just got our most expensive electric bill last week. And we have, you know, a pool, a hot tub, Mm. computers on all the time because we're both here all the time. Three refrigerators, a freezer, you know, a lot of electricity. And it was 240 or something like that. And and that was the highest bill. But there, there have been months where you know the production you know of the solar panels catches up to the use where we have essentially no bill still without a solar panel it's still a bargain mm-hmm. to get electricity and natural gas is not that expensive either during the winter when our water heater is the only thing uh, I'm sorry during the summer rather when the water heater is the only gas thing running mm-hmm. uh, the bill is $12 a month Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That's and cool. with the furnace running during the winter, the typical bill, it goes about 100, 150 mm-hmm. if it's a really cold or if we're bumping the heat up because yeah. we get cold. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What about internet? We have a, an advanced, well, not advanced, it's an upper tier package right now. Mm-hmm. So we, we're getting about 500 gigabyte of nice. bandwidth and mm-hmm. we're paying $102 a month. Oh, not bad. And you guys have three refrigerators. <laughs> Do you cook a lot? It's not so much that. It's just, you know, we have a freezer for all the Costco stuff we buy, you know, so we, we have, our, you know, then there's a, we, we, we have a lounge in the front of the house. Uh, ah, Dave, Dave yeah. is the mixologist. And so there's a oh, bar nice. fridge and then there's the kitchen fridge and then there's the wine cooler for me. Oh, okay. 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 So they're not like three double-sided, yeah, yeah, right, right. you know, oh, no, oh, no. The, 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 <laughs> what you normally think of as a refrigerator in your kitchen, we only have one. Yeah. Okay. 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 Cause I'm thinking, now you have three full size fridge. Why would you need a freezer? Okay. All right. No, one's a mini fridge and one's a wine cooler. Okay. I'm no. glad we qualified that. No. <laughs> so, where do you go for food shopping normally? I mean, I, I know you said Costco, but what's close by if you needed just some basics? Is there a Trader Joe's? Is what she's getting at? Yes. <laughs> no. Now, now the, the nearest Trader Joe's are not actually that close, but we can get to one in, say, 10 minutes. Oh, okay. That's close. Um, close. That's close. Close by. You know, our Costco was about three to four miles away. That's great. Mm. The grocery stores that are closest to us, we have Fry's, which is a locally branded chain that's owned by Kroger. Mm-hmm. They are essentially Kroger, but in Arizona, they're called Fry's. Oh. We have Safeway and Albertsons, which have now merged, although they have their own brand. Mm-hmm. And we have Winco. If you've not heard of them, they are a chain that exists mostly in the western part of the U.S. I think they were headquartered in Boise, Idaho. Winco rules. (laughs) Seriously. Why? Why is that? Great selection. They rule. And and it's it's two miles away. Winco. We have to remember that. You mean they're lower priced than the others? Than the the Kroger? Okay. Absolutely. And the quality is pretty good? Oh, yes. really good. Yeah. So, oh, and, right. and real quick, here's the deal. There are no frills in certain ways. Like uh-huh. there's no decor in the store. They take debit cards, but not credit cards. Mm. You it's bag your own groceries. Okay. okay. But the selection is incredible. And they have all the main national brands. And then they also have the Winco brand. And the Winco brand is really good. Mm. And I mean, we got, we get a lot of our foods the you know the Winco store brand and it's just as good as the major brands. Interesting, wow. you know, because and, and cheap and the produce department is really inexpensive. Nice. You know, as I mentioned, you know, vegetables come you know from Mexico, mm-hmm. but it's 
significantly lower. Yeah. You know, the first time I heard about Kroger's was when I lived in Cincinnati or, or Kentucky, actually. The price of food was was very fair, I thought. So it went that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying I was comparing it to New York yeah, okay. at that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, relative, of course. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, eating out? Is that expensive? Yeah, let's talk about that. We have never been big restaurant people. Mm-hmm. We don't eat out that much, especially since the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're going out next weekend for our anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. A huge deal. Thank you. But there are lots of restaurants and really good ones. And, you know, mom and pop mm-hmm. places, especially in the downtown area of Chandler on the green. Um, that, like Dave was saying earlier, they've really developed the downtown areas. Mm-hmm. Gilbert, which is adjacent to us, it's right next door, mm-hmm. has world class restaurants opened by New York restaurateurs, mm-hmm. and and it, it's incredible. People mm-hmm. travel to Arizona to eat food that was developed in New York City. <laughs> One thing about Phoenix and Scottsdale that has been true for many years is they have a lot of very upscale resorts and they attract a lot of conference business as well as people who want to come here to golf. So there have always been a lot of high class restaurants in those areas. But what has developed since then in the last 10 or 15 years is a nice middle tier of restaurants where the menu is more creative and inventive and everything, but it's not the fancy tablecloth and high price and all that. Oh, I like that. A lot of that has proliferated around Phoenix. So, uh, and Chandler and Gilbert and so forth. So it's really becoming quite a foodie kind of place. Wow. I've read that Arizona has special rules for senior drivers. For instance, when you turn 65, you have to get your license renewed and you have to do that also every five years thereafter. That's correct. Also, unlike drivers under 65, they have to renew their licenses in person. That's also correct. Oh, and, discrimination. Yeah, yeah. Well, how, do you, how do you guys feel about that? Well, uh, it's not a big deal. The, but the thing that the, that you didn't mention that is, I think, just as interesting is that when you move here, let's say I moved I moved here when I was, um, what, 42, 43. I got my license and I'm not yet 65. I, I, I've not had to do anything with my license except get the address updated when I moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your license lasts forever, essentially, depending on how old you are when you get it uh-huh. and the, and then only when you turn 65 or if you decide you you know you need you're moving you got to update that or if you want to change your picture update the picture to look more like you look that's really all you have to do in Connecticut it was every 4 years and it was expensive it was like $80 wow. to get a license every 4 years that's in Connecticut. So Connecticut wow so yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Let, let me get this straight so you only have to pay when you originally get your license and that's then correct. when you turn 65 you have to well okay the license itself the physical yeah, license yeah, yeah. you do not have to renew until you're 65 mm-hmm. you have to keep it updated you know with mm-hmm. your address sure. changes right, 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 yeah yeah okay on an annual basis, you have automobile tax, right. uh, which is extremely low, by very, the way. Yes, very low compared uh-huh. to the Northeast. Very low. Not as low as Kentucky, though. And I noted that you've also lived in Kentucky. People from Kentucky look at our insurance and go, oh, my, you know, and our taxes and go, oh, my God, that's horrible. But <laughs> compared to the Northeast, it, it, it's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So where is the nearest airport if you wanted to go to Europe? Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Okay. And we can get to it in about 10, between 10 and 15 miles. Oh, um, nice. 25 minutes. Yeah. yeah it, very it, nice. It's close. 
This is not one of those cities like Denver or Atlanta where the airport is way out in the countryside. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually right next to downtown. Yeah. Wow. And so it's okay. very centrally located, very easy to get to. Very nice. Very nice. That's one of my criteria. And I don't know if you put that in your book, Dave. <laughs> I want to live within 30 minutes of an international airport. Because right now we I, live I, about 20 minutes to JFK. He does have something but, about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 do, I do mention the proximity to an airport. Uh, if you have any interest in travel, or even if you have family and relatives that, that want to come visit you and you want to go visit them, it, it's close. It's a good idea to be close to a major airport. Yeah. So it's a thing, you know, because when oh, I yeah. first mentioned it to Gene, he was like, who cares? You know, it's the location. I'm like, uh, no, I have to be within an airport because we all know, even if you travel three times a year, or if you're on that highway for 55 to 65 to 75 minutes, it can be a hassle. And if you're stuck in traffic, forget it. Mm -hmm. so I, I think it's important. In your book, Dave, and the book is again, the quest for retirement utopia. You researched a lot of cities on where to retire. Do you have any desire to move to any of them? You know what? In the U.S., no. Because, you know, and that's not to say there aren't many other nice cities in the U.S. to retire to. There are, but there are none that I think offer any significant advantage over Chandler that I'd pick up and move. If I were to pick up and move somewhere, it would probably be outside the United States for various, you know, political or other sociological reasons, I'm sure out of the scope of this podcast. Other people, have said, other people, yeah, we're, you know, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we're of a same mind about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are getting pretty crazy lately. Anyway, speaking of your book, Dave, I'd like to know what do you think are the most important things when people decide to move elsewhere for retirement? That's an excellent question. My answer, I think there's one criterion that I think is tremendously important that you never see in these articles about 10 great places to retire for this, that, or the other. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and you know, so many people talk about oh, the taxes, the cost of the real estate, or this, that, or the other. I think the most important thing is, does the area have the amenities you want to live a happy retirement on your terms? And let me give you an example. Both of us are musicians. We really like the fact that we have area community colleges that have bands that are open to any anybody who lives in the area. There's also an LGBT band and an LGBT mm -hmm. jazz ensemble, which I play in. Concert opportunities all over the place. There are many good performing arts centers in the area. Chances are anybody that we like is going to come to town and give a concert at some point. Huh. So as musicians, this is a great place for us to live because we can both play music and listen to music that we want. And if we moved to another place that was more remote, more small town, whatever, that did not have those amenities, that would really compromise the happiness of our retirement experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And you know, earlier you mentioned, does the area have a Trader Joe's? And that's actually pretty significant because think about the kinds of restaurants you want to go to, the kinds of stores you want to shop in and everything. If you live someplace where you don't have that, are you going to be happy or not? I mean, two of my best friends live on the Delaware coast, and which is nice in many ways. They are an hour from the nearest Costco. 
Mm. And like that, that's not even civilization as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, um, everybody's different. I wouldn't put Costco and Trader Joe's in the I, same no, category. Well, no, but the point is the same. And like, we are not golfers. <laughs> yeah. Now there's plenty of golf to play around here and that's fine. Oh, yeah. If we were golfers, it would be senseless for us to live to a place where there wasn't good golf. So that's why I think it's important to design, to think about how you want to spend your days when you retire. What are you going to do with your life after you retire? What's going to make you happy? Then find a place to live that offers you those amenities. For me, it's always been, well, I'm, I'm kind of limited because I do, I, I've made the decision and and Gene, thank God, has has come to my side in a small way. I what want to be decision near my, is that? I, I want to oh. be near my siblings. <laughs> They're in the Northeast. So since this show, we've learned about all of these amazing international locations. So so our answer in some way is we'll have a base in the US near family, but then travel abroad. Neither one of us has done much of any of it because we we both grew up humbly from poor beginnings. And so we do want to be able to do some of those things as we sit here today and say, however, in that location domestically, I know I would yearn for diversity. All right. Especially, and it's not just the food. Some people say, oh yeah, you know, we have Chinese food. Well, <laughs> guess what? I was in Covington, the Chinese restaurant that had all those stupid little pagoda things and no offense to pagodas or anything. And I <laughs> love my ancestry, but you know what I mean? Like they, they put these little things up and then the, the wait staff comes out dressed in these kind of oriental outfits. And so I had to ask, but everyone was Caucasian. So the waiter came over and uh, I, I was there on an assignment because I work for GE and we had these assignments all over the place. And I was out there asking the waiter, is the chef Asian? <laughs> and he was so offended. And I'm like, well, everyone here is not. I am the only Asian in this entire establishment. And I kind of felt uncomfortable. So I said, I'm not going to have chop suey. All right. All right. I'm getting out of control. But then in the mall, these teenagers passed by and they said, oh, do you know Jackie Chan? And I'm like, you know, OK, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. All right. I said, oh, he's my cousin. They walked away and they looked at each other in all like, do you hear that? It's your cousin. And I'm like, OK, I got to get out of here. So, you know, you're right. You have to choose the place where you're going to feel comfortable. And we hope it's going to be an artistic community because we have a lot of interests in, in arts. I paint, you know, I do all sorts of things and maybe close to some, you know, museums or, or what have you. So those things may conflict with the location, if you will. Yeah, you know? no, you make an, a really good point. First of all, there have been other studies that don't have anything to do with retirement. They had more to do with where high-tech companies should locate to find the best employees. But what they discovered was the communities that had the most diversity, be that ethnic diversity, LGBT community, mm -hmm. religious diversity, whatever yeah, kind of yeah. diversity you want to talk about, places that had the most diversity also had the best creativity scenes. They had more theater, more art, that sort of thing. And that sort of thing stimulates the creative needs that even like engineers and high-tech industries have. Creative people come in all kinds of flavors, but what they what they just discovered was 
there is a distinct connection between how diverse a community is, how much art and creativity is there, and the type of people that it attracts. For us, that's really important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something to keep in mind when you consider many of the 55 plus active communities that are in Florida and other parts of the Southeast. And no offense to anybody, but they're very white, very straight, very Christian, very religious conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you check all those boxes, that might be a great place for you to live. If you don't check some of those boxes, you may really feel like an outsider. Yeah. And so, I mean, personally, we really want to live in a place where there's more diversity. Absolutely. It, it's interesting in Dave's book, he doesn't give a lot of credence to some of these lists, like the best retirement yeah. I mean, places there's, to there's live. There's a different right? one every day. You know, Forbes <laughs> yes. has one, which I kind of take a look at and not, you know, with the grain of salt and then Kiplinger. But there but there are some that are, that are narrowing down, I find, like so specific. I mean, you can do a statistical study of any slice, anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it could be very misleading. So I always say say to people, be very careful. Look at all of them and see which ones um, make sense. But obviously, you have to dig a little bit more. Yeah, what's your opinion on that, Dave? Well, you pretty much summed it up. And that is you can find a list that will tell you anything. The issue with them is they are generally written by well-meaning writers who work at some publication and they need to put out an article by a certain date. And so they will gather a bunch of statistics, look at, and, and it all depends on which statistics you, and how heavily you weight them. Then certain cities will float to the top of the list. And there's my article. There's my top 10 cities for cheapest cost of living or, or whatever yeah. it is, or most sunny days or what have you. All you need to do is tweak the weighting on those lists a little bit, and they come out totally different. And But I, I get back to, so you find the place that really has the most sunny days every year, or that really has the cheapest property taxes or whatever. Are you going to be happy there on a day in and day out basis? Right. You know, so they're interesting for curiosity. They may suggest places you hadn't thought of. They may rule out places that you were hoping for, but you have to take them all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's a lot of pressure, all this. <laughs> but, but, but I will say, and I always will go back to this if you make a mistake right after reading all of the above and doing all the research, you're not stuck. You know, these people that say, we're looking out forever home. I have dropped that off the list. You can always move again. You can always pick up. If you choose that to be the wrong place, well, so be it, right? It's a little bit costly if you've done a lot of moving. The cost itself can be uh, expensive, but at the end, you can just get up and go again. You know, that that is true. A couple other pieces of advice I would offer is if you're going to pick up and move to a totally different area, rent for a year before you buy. Yeah. There's that. The other thing is I actually wrote an article about this on my website. 20 it's something like 21 things to look for when you visit your potential retirement destination. Mm. And this even got a document you can download for free. The the gist of it is go stay in a place for as long as you can, like at least a week, but maybe two weeks or a month. Don't visit the tourist attractions. Don't eat at the fanciest restaurants. Go as close as possible to live like a local. Maybe 
find a house to rent on Airbnb or a house yeah. sitting place, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Go to all the local grocery stores, pick up the local newspapers and see what they're writing about, what's of concern locally and all that. Maybe I list about 21 things to look for, but that will tell you a lot more about whether you'll be happy in a place at a long time rather than, oh, it has 21 golf courses. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Well, I think we've covered a lot. I'm just wondering if there's anything else we may have. Have we left anything out, guys? I think we've covered it pretty well. Yeah, we're yeah. we're happy here. Chandler is a safe place to live. They do their best to fund their school system. We have what's called an override, which you can vote on. It, it, it's it's put out to the public, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the voters uh, mm-hmm. in the city. And so every now and then we have to vote whether to continue the override, which basically allows the school district to determine how the money is spent. It doesn't raise the taxes on like the local you know, population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just gives the school board more direct control. Mm-hmm. And for the last 20, 30 years, Chandler has always had the override. The kids get a good education here, I, I, I believe. So, But it's safe. We've never, as a gay couple, we've yeah. never had any problems with our neighbors. We live in a cul-de-sac. Our neighbors are of all different stripes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we coexist. We get along. I mean, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it's it's a genuinely friendly environment. We don't feel threatened. I don't anyway. Mm-hmm. That's and we we've, yeah. we've never been targeted, mm-hmm, you know, for mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of a live and let live environment. I think at least at the population level, yes, we do have a conservative government here, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't yeah. think even I think that's going to be changing over the next few years as well. I mean, Chandler's Arizona in general is sort of becoming a purplish state, and we do have a very strong young population here. It isn't just retirees. We have young people with new ideas mm-hmm. uh, and new thoughts. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, to, to, to build on that real quickly, I know we're kind of starting to wind down. One thing about Chandler is we have a lot of high-tech industry here. There's uh, Intel Corporation, but lots mm-hmm. of other both high-tech installations and mm-hmm. a lot of financial services here as well. And so that's attracting a younger, well-educated workforce. Okay. And that keeps the entire area prosperous. Yes, yes. And it's not falling into decay. So that helps a lot. And that also mm-hmm. brings in lots of fresh ideas from other parts of the country and the world. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm really convinced about Chandler, Gene. <laughs> you say that about a lot of cities, you go. <laughs> no, it's too hot. It's too hot for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. On that note. Wait, wait, let me just say that. Please remember that Dave Hughes has a book on where to retire. It's called The Quest for Retirement Utopia. And he also has a website on the same called retirefabulously.com. Okay. And I am going to study that. <laughs> because for me, it's about the transition ending, you know, like a very busy job. And then all of a sudden, plunk, trying to get out of bed some days, you know, it can be a little tough. And yeah. My, yeah, my second book, Smooth Sailing into Retirement, addresses that particularly well. Yeah. And, and you know, some people just don't get that. They're like on these Facebook pages saying, oh, come on, I have a million things to do. And I just want to say you have a problem mm-hmm. because you're not you're not addressing the underlying issue. Or, or maybe you've been retired before you were retired, right? There you go. Okay. Gene, right. you'll see. When you get there, you'll you'll see what I'm I saying. I don't think I'm going to have these problems, but never say never, I guess. Never say never. On that note, right. thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jeff. You guys are really great. Very Such a pleasure yeah. meeting you. Really. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> Likewise. Yes, right. we enjoyed it too. Great. Take care. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. Bye. Bye. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com, and you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.